I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for coming back for yet another episode. Today, we are going to talk about a subject that is going to be a little bit touchy, probably. And so uh, we want to come at it with fear and trepidation. We just heard a firecracker in the background. But we are out on the back porch studio under the umbrella it's a beautiful evening here in Michigan, and it's kind of clouded over. We had a little sprinkle earlier today, but it's looking really nice now. And I keep saying we because I do have a guest with me today. Today I have my lovely wife, Renee, with me. Say hello. Hello. All right. She's so compliant. It's wonderful. Usually she's not very compliant. <laughs> So, uh, we are out here to talk today about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now, I don't really think we'll get too much into the weeds about, you know, whether it's right or wrong or whatever. I mean, we might. I I don't know where we're going to go with this. We don't have any notes or anything like that. But um, just our personal opinions about it. Um, just to preface this, we are believers in Jesus Christ. And so, um, you can probably figure out our opinion from there, but, um, you know, just follow along, listen to what we have to say and let us know what you think. Send me an instant message over on Facebook, uh, at Aaron Sutter. And, uh, you can leave me that and I would be happy to respond to you and, you know, hear your thoughts or you can send me an email at lansinglawnservice at gmail.com. Normally and typically, this is a lawn care podcast, but I thought this subject is uh, probably the biggest court case in our lifetime to be heard and overturned. So I thought we should probably talk about it. And I'm having my wife on so that I can kind of give a female perspective on everything that goes along with abortion and uh, women's reproductive rights, shall we say, and things like that. So without any further ado, let's jump into it, shall we? So, uh, Renee, what do you think? What do you think about the decision? What, What do you think about the decision that came down from the Supreme Court the other day, yesterday, that Roe v. Wade, they were overturning Roe v. Wade. That's a pretty broad question. I'm not ready for that one. Jeez. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, yeah, I just, we had a great conversation on the way to dinner last night about abortion and uh, things like that. So, I mean, I'm from the opinion that uh, I, I really wish that abortion would be overturned uh, or that it would be made illegal. I know there's, there's instances of the health of the mother and there's even instances of rape, which still I don't necessarily agree that uh, a child should be aborted because 
um, because the mother was raped. Um, I don't think the child had anything to do with that. I, I get that just seeing that child may trigger some things for, for the woman, but at the same time, she, I think, I believe that the woman could seek psychological help for, um, for learning to deal with that, I guess. But again, I'm not a woman and don't have those necessarily have those feelings. So, um, I think the bigger part of that scenario is that it is trauma based. And in my opinion, the, I guess the, the bigger trauma is, you know, what happened to the woman and that needs to be addressed and she needs to be able to have a safe place to um, work through that trauma. Um, and honestly, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, we've, we have our, our two boys that we were able to have and all those little moments of little butterfly, little kicks, you know, feeling mm -hmm. their hiccups, those sorts of things. Um, I think going from a place of complete trauma and maybe even emotional shutdown um, to going into a part of life where you're feeling those sorts of things inside of you would be incredibly complicated. Yeah. Um, and I would hate to think that someone would make a rash decision while they're in this very immediate aftermath um but again you know i i'm i'm very thankful that i've never had to be in that situation and make that decision yeah i i i agree i mean that would be a really that would be a terribly tough decision to make as a just as a human being in general uh trying to make that decision this awful thing has happened to you and now you're pregnant with a person's baby that you don't even know you have not only do you have a negative emotional um i guess attachment to this person but now you have a a living being inside of you that could potentially remind you of that incident every day. I think pregnancy is a very joyful thing. Um, I think that's what God created it to be. Um, you know, talks about in the Bible um, with Mary, you know, Jesus, and I um, can't think of his name. Joseph? No. <laughs> um, the other woman that had a baby and he leapt in her womb. Oh, Elizabeth. Yes. Um, so I feel like God created it to be a very joyful, miraculous, and mysterious because it does reflect who he is. Um, I also think about women or couples um, that have gone through, like someone we do know, that they, they got pregnant and wanted you know wanted the child it was planned 
more or less that that was something they wanted in their in their life um but it soon found out that the child had severe severe um medical things wrong and that the child would likely live maybe a few hours not even a day after being born and i know for that couple they did choose to have an abortion because the mother felt that she couldn't go through the pregnancy and give birth to this child only for them to die within a few minutes or some or, or so um and it just grieves my heart because pregnancy i f- do feel was meant to be joyful and for that woman if she you know maybe do- the, if she doesn't believe in in jesus christ she doesn't believe that we have the opportunity to go to heaven that we have a loving god then maybe having a pregnant pregnancy of a child that's going to die right away is not a joyful thing and it would be an incredibly horrible painful journey for her um but i know other women that have gone through that i actually know someone else's story who had the exact same thing happen and they went through full term with the pregnancy and um, gave birth to this little girl and she had absolutely severe physical things wrong with her and she ended up passing away in their arms just you know a few hours after she was born and I remember he it was kind of like the grieving process for them and he said can I show you pictures of my daughter and I said absolutely and so he opened up you know his phone and he started scrolling through pictures and she had severe I mean, she didn't look like the bouncing baby of joy, you know, chubby cheeks. I mean, there was, her features were misshapen and misformed. And I looked at his face and him looking at his daughter, he just had complete adoration in his eyes mixed with this joy of her being his daughter and then just grief that he only had a few minutes with her. And I just remember I looked at him and I said, your daughter is absolutely beautiful. And it, he just gave this big sigh, like finally someone sees what I see. And honestly, all I saw was just this love on his face for this child. And I know for me, um, you know, our first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage and, um, we were able to go on and have two successful pregnancies after. Um, But I recall looking at our medical records and they listed as a spontaneous abortion. And I remember the first time I had read that, it made me feel sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually grieved me because that child was so very much wanted and to have that word attached to how that child passed away, uh, it it broke my heart, Mm -hmm. really. Um, You know, like you said, this is a very emotionally driven topic. And especially when you talk about government and them having control over what you can or cannot do. And 
some people feel it's a medical decision, it's a personal decision, other people feel it's outright killing of a person um, in the womb or out of the womb because abortions take place in both places. It happens in the womb and it happens outside of the mother's womb where their, their life is snuffed out. Um, yeah, even at ages, you know, five and six, like we saw with that school shooting, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily consider those abortions, but that was the taking the life of, of kids. And I, I, I kind of, in a way, in some ways I ask myself, what makes that different than aborting a nine month old, uh, a nine month pregnancy and like a full-term pregnancy right and taking the life of a six-year-old what's the difference there they're both just as valuable as one another is it simply because one was wanted and one was not is that what makes it makes it murder and and abortion I mean, I struggle with that thought, you know, what, what makes the two different? What, what makes one murder and one abortion? A medical process or procedure, as a lot of people like to call it. Well, I mean, let's be frank. Um, a late-term abortion is just as brutal mm-hmm. as a school shooting, probably more so. I mean, if you don't know what an abortion looks like, go look it up on YouTube. Um, it's it's a brutal thing Very to watch, and it. I, I'm trying so hard not to be to sound calloused or um, uh, um, insensitive, but I I really think that. If a woman wants an abortion, she needs to have an ultrasound, first of all. And second, there need, she needs to be able to watch or should be, um, I don't want to say made to watch, but should have to watch an abortion procedure. Whether it's her own on an ultrasound or whether it's a video of one. Because... The brutality of that act is, I mean, it's its horrible. You know, I've never gone through that process, so I, I don't know. And, of course, this can vary based on clinic you go to or the physician or whatever, the way they approach it. But I have a hard time believing that they give you the detailed process of what the abortion will be so you and I both have had surgeries mm-hmm. various parts of our body that failed us <laughs> mm-hmm. or we've broken or or whatever and in all those cases the doctor came and talked and said this is what's going to happen first I'm going to do this we're going to look at this we're going to remove this we're going to x y and z here are the you know the potential risks um Here's what, you know, we hope will happen. And that's, you know, those, that's a major procedure. Even minor procedures, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be very specific. Um, if you, 
and I'm just saying you in, in general um, society or culture, if, you know, people want to say this is a medical procedure, then it should be treated as so. And it should, mm-hmm. as you as you said, it, it should be discussed at length. This is yeah. what's going to happen. And, you know, acknowledging, because for the longest time, people didn't believe that babies could feel pain. They didn't believe babies cried and in the womb. And they do. They mm-hmm. do all the things that they do once they're out of the womb. They do them in the womb. And I think that should also be a part of the discussion that what will they feel? Everything. Well, that comes down to whether the physician um, is, is willing to be intellectually honest and say that this is a living being inside of your body. This is a living, another living human being inside of your body. And this is what we have to do to, to take it out, to remove it. Because it's a, it's a brutal thing that they have to do because they can't just cut a woman open and take out a baby that, I mean, they can, that, you know, that's a cesarean section, but that's the most invasive way to do it. And they but they can't go that route. legally, they can't take the baby out, lay it on a, on a gurney and let it die there. That's not an abortion. That would be considered murder. So an abortion is where they go in through the woman's vagina and they dismember the baby inside of the womb and suck it out with a vacuum. And so it, it, I, that's, I mean, it's got to be the most brutal medical procedure that has ever been conceived I mean, I guess. I mean, I had a knee, I had an ACL replacement, and what they did is they, they split my my leg. They pulled the joint apart and took bone from bone and ligament from one area of my body, drilled holes in both ends of my bones, and stuck those little pieces in there, and shoved my leg back together, and it healed up. You know, so I mean, that sounds brutal to me too. But and ending a life like that in that brutal of a way I mean you know I I just watched a a video on Jeffrey Dahmer the other day and he he killed young younger boys for whatever reason he was you know a psychopath or whatever and he would dismember them and bury them underneath his porch or something like that and we all think that's horrible, that's awful, that's, that's brutal and disgusting. And yet, we, I, I see these videos of women protesting, saying, you know, my body, my choice. But do you know what choice you're making when it's your choice? Do you really know the procedure that they're doing? I get it. There's, there's, you know, there's pills that you can take to abort early on. 
And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I guess I do. I'm not in agreement with those either um, because those aren't necessarily safe either. Uh, But it's just a brutal thing. And it it breaks my heart to think that, that women even feel like they have to make that choice, first of all. And then it breaks my heart that they are making that choice when there are other options. Or being told they need to make that choice. Right. Or they'll be kicked out of the house or they'll lose this relationship or lose their job or social standing of their family, etc. It's funny that you bring up the My Body, My Choice um, because we talked about this a little bit last night about consequence and there's a consequence to, you know, everything we do, good or bad. Um, or reward or consequence. So a part of me wonders, can you really right a wrong with another wrong, (laughs) so to speak? Um, You know, when we engage in sexual activity with, you know, two people that have the, the capabilities and the equipment, so to speak, to create another human being, And then even if you took all the precautions and whatever, if a human being still was created out of that, you shouldn't necessarily be too surprised because, you know, that's kind of the recipe, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that's what God designed um, to happen. But, you know, we're taught at a young age, you know, Two wrongs don't make a right. And then as we get older, suddenly, well, maybe it's not a wrong, you know, things were against you or it wasn't your choice or, you know, we, we play a really good game at not taking the responsibility for our actions. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not speaking, you know, someone who was assaulted um, or non-consensual I'm certainly not, you know, talking about that, but there are a lot of people, you know, that, that do these actions and, you know, not necessarily unprotected sex, but, you know, other things in our lives, we do things and we just expect for us to not have to deal with the consequences. Or if we do, we expect everyone to move mountains so we don't have to deal with repercussions of it which you know can be changes to your your physical it could mean death could mean loss of career it could mean changes in relationships social cultural shunning your family being you know upset with you religious connotation it's just i don't know yeah it's a lot i mean we as humans we do everything we possibly can to avoid consequences of of our actions um yet we fully deserve them right (laughs) we don't like recognizing that part i'm right there with the rest of the human race you know i certainly don't want to either right well the way i'm come i just had this thought just before we started this podcast and i had this thought going back to um jesus sermon on the mount where he's talking about murder and and how God's standards for sin 
are so much higher than human standards. And this is what it says. <clears throat> this is Matthew 5, verse, uh, yeah, Matthew 5, verse 23. Excuse me. <clears throat> Allergies are kicking my butt. Uh, it, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother brother, brother <laughs> will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Reka, which I'm not sure, I guess it's hate, or I hate you, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, which is like the church governing body of the day. But anyone who says, you fool, you will be in danger of... Uh, in danger of the fires of hell. So, and he, he goes on and talks about lust and adultery. Um, you know, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. So, God's, God's thought of sin is way higher than the human um, thought of sin we we tend to downplay it a lot and well, if so you downplay sin you can downplay the consequence of it as well exactly and my whole thinking about the whole abortion thing is that if you've already contemplated if you've even thought about killing your unborn child you've already done it in your heart is what this is saying so, what does it matter, then, if a person or a woman aborts her child? Because she's already, in God's book, she's already done it, whether she did it or not. She thought about it. And I, I don't, I mean, this can apply to... Lots of other sins and actions. But I think at the core of it, because it just sounds so harsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes God seem so unloving and so judgmental. And I mean, I get it because it strikes me that way too sometimes. But really at the core of it, he's interested and he is trying to protect your heart above all things. And your which in your heart means you know your mind what you're you're thinking who you are at your core um you know do you have murderous thoughts or do you not and if you have murderous thoughts then there's a bigger there's a bigger thing going on here rather than just that particular action there's something dark and awful going on inside of you that God wants to make clean. He wants to rectify that. He wants joy for you. (laughs) At the core of it, or abortion is not a physical issue. Mm -hmm. It's a heart issue. Right. We have, we have a human issue really 
because we've all sinned and fall, fall short of the glory of God. The only way to be rescued from the fires of hell is to, one, accept that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and that he rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death, and you choose to follow him. You choose to to do your best as a human to follow him. Of course you're going to mess up. But the Bible says, if you believe, you shall be saved. So, and I, I completely believe that. I, I don't have any doubt about that. So, even if someone believes, they truly believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again with forgiveness of their sins whether they had an abortion or not I truly believe they'll be in heaven because we all still sin but what, what I'm saying is again I'm just reiterating that abortion is not necessarily a physical issue it's a heart issue. It's a it's a it's a a symptom of a much bigger, much darker issue. Right. I mean, you can't get much darker than abortion, but good grief, it, it's darker. It it does get darker. You know, we we see that with different things like the whole Josh Duggar case, you know, it gets darker, you know, that's pretty dark. Well, and when we, we collectively as humans, when we find ourselves in situations that we know are not right or good, we're potentially very ashamed of ourselves even for being in that situation. Like, how did I even get here? (laughs) Like, I never imagined I'd be doing X, Y, and Z. And you may feel disgusted with yourself, but I think sometimes even more so you feel the pressure and heaviness of expectations or what you think are expectations of people around you. And these decisions, it isn't just my body, my choice. It's impacting generations of people. I have a great-grandmother that found herself in a situation. Uh, She was 24. She had four kids already, all under the age of seven. Seven and the youngest was two. And she found herself in the situation pregnant with number five. And there's a lot of complexities that I won't get into um, with the situation, but... She found herself in a situation that was going to bring her, she was going to experience the consequences of what she had done. And it was going to impact her kids. It was going to impact her. It was going to impact, you know, her husband and her family. And she chose to try to abort the child on her own. Um, You know, and this, of course, is a long, long time ago. Um... And she ended up 
dying um, shortly thereafter um, from, you know, trying to do that on her own and just, you know, horrible things happened and she passed away 24 years old. And my grandfather was one of her sons. He was five when this happened. And I, I don't even know. He's he's gone now. Um, but I don't even know if he has a single memory of his mother. And then, you know, you think about how that impacts him growing up without a mom at such a tender age. And then he grows up and he has a family and his children, they, they have no idea what it's like to have a great grandmother. <laughs> you know, they never had those, that relationship because she was gone. And I know a lot of people say, well, if she had access to a safe abortion, she would still be here and she would still be living. And, you know, maybe, or, you know, she, w she wouldn't have died at 24. She would have lived a long life, hypothetically, and, and died, you know, old and gray and meeting all her grandkids and even her great grandkids. You know, maybe I would have had the chance to even meet her. Um, but <laughs> even if she wanted to or had the opportunity to have a safe abortion at the core of it she was trying to hide something the situation that she was in she was trying to cover the consequence of a sin and if she had lived we can't say how it would go you know how that would have impacted her marriage how that would have impacted her family how that would have impacted people in the town what they would have said about her because you know they said things about her there was a lot of rumors and people they kind of knew what what happened and they put two and two together and you know 24 year olds just don't pass away <laughs> mm -hmm. um for no serious reason um and there were things whispered about her even then how much greater would have it been if she had gone through with it and people are going to find out it's a small town <laughs> HIPAA didn't didn't exist then <laughs> <laughs> but i guess my point is no matter if it's safe or unsafe when you're trying to cover up a sin with another sin you're trying to cover up an error with something that's so violent and snuffing out another life to cover something you did and that potentially you're ashamed of. It doesn't just stop with you. It impacts generations of people. It changes your family tree. And that's the part that really hurts my heart is seeing how that's impacted my family and how that's impacted, um, you know, my dad and my grandpa and, and the things that they wish could have been different. I think there's, because of, because of that sin that was trying to be covered up, 
um, the impact of the choices that she made had who knows maybe more negative impact on her children than what it would have been had she simply dealt with those consequences when they came and, and stood up and said yeah i did this and i'm she, guilty she, she likely would have become a single mom and and probably had some hard a hard road ahead of her and is that sad absolutely it it does it grieves my heart but at the same time an action begets another action <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's like a it's like a domino effect and and you know there there could have been likely if she would have lived and still you know seemingly got away with it there still could have been a domino effect of depression you know affecting family members mm-hmm. down the line because i mean let's be honest you can't really something like an abortion you can say all you want to that it's not taking a human life it's just a clump of cells inside your heart you know that it is not just a clump of cells you know that gone to full term there is a human being that will come out of your body mm-hmm. and likely you know, our, our youngest was born six weeks early so 30 actually when my water broke it was week 33 and what was it six days <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. one day before um this line in the in the sand that the hospital drives and when we went in they said we legally cannot do anything to make your labor progress we have to do everything we can to stop your labor um you know there's other places and other times in our our country where 34 week babies are you know are aborted and when our son was born he could breathe on his own he -hmm. had nearly all functions he had a little trouble eating he hadn't figured out how to do that quite yet his lungs were clear he was little i mean he was a tiny little squirt but he was fully human Mm -hmm. he was fully fully capable of breathing on his own and it boggles my mind that aborting a child at that gestational age is perfectly acceptable and has happened you know well not only that in virginia they have talked about um, failed abortions, where if an abortion fails, they will keep the baby comfortable, even if even if the abortion, let's say it was nine months on the dot, that woman, if she is in labor and the baby hasn't come out yet, she can abort that baby. And if the uh, if the abortion fails, they will take that baby, set it aside, keep it comfortable, as their mayor, former mayor said. And they will decide and discuss with the family what they want to do with this child. That means whether they want to let it lay there and die or 
keep it or put it up for adoption. To me, that's crazy. That, that's crazy that that's an option on the table. Now, if we were to take that, that whole example you just gave and put it in the context of an animal shelter mm-hmm. and there's a beautiful dog got, you know, a litter of puppies growing in her, but, and we do the same thing. She has that litter. She's got what a handful of cute little squirmy things and you got to decide, are we going to keep them or not keep them? Are we going to drown them in a bucket? Are we going to, you know, suffocate them? Like, really, like, and this sounds so horrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it sounds so disgusting and violent and callous-hearted. But I think that when we're talking about people who find themselves in these situations and feel that they've got to make this choice... I wonder, you know, are their hearts already callous at that point where if you just choose a little bit of different language and you don't really quite look at the specifics, like, we'll take care of it. It's gone to a better place. You know, all these fluffy Mm -hmm. terms and it doesn't sound so horrible. It's easier to just be like, okay, yeah, that's the best for everybody. And, you know, we can't really afford to feed them all and we don't have space in our home or we don't have a stable environment or yeah I think about um, actually a gal um, who was in a, a relationship they were dating living together and um, she found that she was pregnant it was you know not something that they were planning to do they didn't you know they would taken precautions for that not to happen but sometimes it happens you know nothing's foolproof um if you're engaging in sexual activity it's um but i remember she talked to me about it and she was really contemplating and she was young early 20s and she's like i don't feel like i'm ready you know i have such uh my career is ahead of me you know kind of was at the spot in her career where she could really take off and kind of climb the ladder and get to this position this level that she was really working towards and that all felt like it was all within her grasp and she was going to go through with it and she ended up miscarrying um but then soon after they broke up and and he turned out to be kind of a a dirtbag so to speak and i always just kind of wondered like if you had been in a different situation like a more stable relationship you had a a spouse or a partner that you could count on a little bit more was a little bit more mature and you found yourself in that same situation would you have considered that um i think a lot of women feel like they are alone and feel like they're going to be left to deal with all the consequences and you know that's just the matter of the fact you know god created it for the woman (laughs) to to be pregnant that he created the woman to carry the baby he created the woman to potentially you know feed the baby and and all these things the women's body can produce and do that sustains this other life Mm -hmm. you know it's really incredible how god designed it yeah yeah it does put a lot on the shoulders of the woman you know 
when the man can essentially walk away and not have that responsibility. But that's, I think that's why sex in general plus marriage is, it's a pick. That's why God made it the way he did. He designed it the way he did because it's supposed to be when two people come together in a sexual relationship, the Bible says those two become one. They become one flesh. God designed it for a male and female to leave their parents and come together as one flesh. And and now this is their family. And so in that design, yes, they're... The old, even the Old Testament laws allowed for divorce and things like that, but um, I think the design of marriage was such that it was supposed to be a partnership with between the male and the female. And uh, trust me, males have failed on this at every level. Um, you know, even I have failed miserably at it. You know, caring for our boys in times when, you know, maybe Renee was tired or whatever. You know, I failed in that. I, I readily admit that. Um, but at the same time, I think if you're going to choose to have sexual relations with someone, it, that's the whole reason God designed it to be within uh, the covenant of marriage is so that you have that unit now that there are things that cause that unit to fail you know we have a 50 percent divorce rate in america so that unit does fail things happen but that's because of again that's because of sin and things that are going on you know things can't be resolved and issues like that but in the design if it if we were perfect people that design would be perfect i think it was created as a foundation and as parents you kind of try to do that for your kids where you create the foundation for a successful future and a marriage in the way god designed it is really a foundation for that relationship to be one to be unified to be i don't want to say the word equal but a partnership um because the man and the woman bring very unique and specific things that they can do or can't do and that's part of the design as well Mm -hmm. um but i feel like that is foundational to be able to handle and work through and deal with you know, these curveballs, these unexpected things. So, you know, my friend who, it was like a two, three year relationship. So they, they moved in together. They felt pretty stable, but he wasn't, certainly wasn't a grown man in taking responsibility and being a partner to her in their relationship. And so even though she was in a relationship and found herself in this situation, she still felt very alone. (laughs) And she felt she had to make that decision because she knew she'd be the one to deal with the brunt of the consequences of that. 
Sure. But that that also brings up the argument that I've heard so often that, you know, safe, legal, and rare. You know, in the case of, of incest or rape, you know, we need to have abortions legal. But that's like the, the example you just gave that there was no incest there. There was no rape there. It was just, I don't think we're, as a couple, we are ready for this. But if that's the case, then if you're not ready for a child, then you're not ready to have sex. Well, if you're not ready to have a marriage (laughs) and a foundation of a binding legal very public relationship maybe you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be engaging well there's there's a chain and I s- swear it's true there is a change that happens when a couple gets married versus when they are just engaged there is a definite change that happens there I mean, you and I, we didn't live together before we got married. Um, we didn't have sex before we got married. But there is still a definite change just in the act of being married. Because it's, a, it's not only a legally binding thing, but it's a covenant with God that you're making between the two of you. And then when you consummate that marriage, spiritually and physically, as the Bible says, the two become one flesh. And if that, if that union ever falls apart, there is like a, a tearing of that one flesh that is just torn apart. I mean, if you've ever seen some, a couple that gets divorced, it is, it's brutal. I mean, it's, it's horrible for both parties, no matter who it is. And it's not only legally horrible, but it's, it's emotionally and physically horrible because the one flesh is being torn apart. And I, I just think, I guess I don't know where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought in that example. But I, I just think if you're not ready for marriage then you're not ready for sex and if you're not ready for sex then i mean if you're not ready for children you're not ready for sex <laughs> sorry i was getting off i was trying to be you know really smooth and get my language all you know like like uh what's his name uh the black guy that always rhymes all the time um oh what's his name not Jesse Jackson, the other one. Um, oh, I can't remember. He, he, he had a role in Adam Sandler's Mr. Deeds. I can't remember his name, but I'm sure everyone's screaming it right now that's listening. But I, I, Al Sharpton. That's, <laughs> I was trying to sound like Al Sharpton. But anyway, um, you have to think about those things. Like... I mean, we've known several teenage girls that have gotten pregnant in high school. And uh, many of them, 
the ones that we know have chosen to keep the child. Uh, there's some we probably don't even know of that have had, had abortions. But again, that's that's not in the case of rape or incest. They just they made the choice to have sex, and they got the logical consequence for that, which is a baby. I mean, a baby isn't necessarily a consequence. It's an outcome. Mm -hmm. But instead of dealing with that and the sin of missing the mark, I'm not saying that, you know, they're terrible people, but they missed the mark that God has set up. And therefore, they felt like in order to move on with their lives, they had to abort that baby. Instead of do the right thing, which is either keep it or bring that baby to term and give it up for adoption, which is, in my opinion, as, you know, being a human being would be much harder to -hmm. carry something to term and then give it away. That is the, I think that's, that is an issue in the whole abortion debate as well. Is that are are we trying to skirt around the fact that we made a choice that didn't follow God's plan, and we're trying to avoid the emotional damage of carrying a child to term and then having to go through the emotional hell of giving that child away that we are connected to because a mother is connected to a child. Emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. There are things your body does as a part of the whole process, you know, that God created to, you know, have all of a sudden your milk come in and there is no baby there. I mean, there's things that happen to a woman's body after birth and to not have that child there as a part of that process would be devastating. And while you were talking, I just kept thinking sacrificial love and you probably know the verse. <laughs> I don't, but you know, there's no greater love than a brother that would lay his life down for another. And I think about that in the context of a woman who is expecting and chooses to literally, well, maybe not literally, but socially and physically and emotionally lay down their life for this child i is absolutely commendable and i i don't even have words to express how i feel about it honestly because they do they're doing the right thing the brave thing the commendable thing that they are literally laying down that period of their life and saying, I'm going to go through with this. I'm going to experience all the physical pains and struggles. I'm going to potentially lose my job. I'm going to be shunned by X, Y, and Z. I may be talked about behind my back by people. I may be called these names. But I'm willing to do it for the life of someone else. And on the other hand, when you talk about abortion, you have someone who isn't willing to do that. That isn't the greatest love. There is no love. It's trying to cover up or 
remove something, um, someone <laughs> in their life that they see as a disruption of whatever, you know, how they got themselves in that position. But mm-hmm. I, I commend these women young uh, and young too a lot of times who know that that is the right decision and feel like man you know if they had the right support system if they had the right resources what an incredible mother already to be able to literally love that child so much that they give up themselves for this child, for that child to have the best they can have, they have the complete heart of a mother. <laughs> that complete sacrificial, unconditional love. And that's the part of the whole abortion discussion. You know, no matter what you feel about it, for me, I wish that there was more focus on creating programs and systems and support systems resources in place for women to be able to make that choice and to have that sacrificial love for that child um whether it's to give them up to a a a better family life or a better chance of childhood and adulthood or for themselves to be able to get to that place where they do have the resources and the support system to raise that child in a loving home. Yeah. I mean, one of the big issues that um, you will hear come up sometimes in the abortion debate is, well, adoption is so, it's so expensive mm-hmm. and it, the, the adoption system is so antiquated and that's why people adopt children from overseas because mm-hmm. it's much easier and cheaper in some cases. And so I think the United States has done a disservice mm-hmm. to mothers or pre-wed mothers or whatever you want to call them um, by not making adoption more accessible, easier, um, and far less expensive. And not just adoption. For me, it's even just giving them the support system they need just because just because you find yourself in that situation and you don't have the support system and the means to to you know adopt out the child or whatever i just i feel like you shouldn't not have access to the right resources and i think it's a shame that um our government doesn't focus more i mean those systems are completely broken to be honest i don't necessarily feel and i don't believe abortion is the right answer however i also don't feel it's right for a child to be born into a family that doesn't love them that hates that they exist (laughs) or they don't have the 
the resources to clothe them, to feed them, to build them up, to maybe even have the emotional intelligence to even be able to raise a child. I mean, I see both sides. In my heart of hearts, I can't justify abortion. Mm-hmm. But also equally right there alongside of it my heart grieves for these women that find themselves in these situations and they want to do the right thing they want for their lives to be better and their future to be better and their child's future to be better Mm -hmm. and it's just not there and you just have this cycle of generation after generation same story rinse and repeat the same struggle same poverty same generational sin or depression or just pain and yeah. trauma well and with that I, I i mean i do go back to the the um premarital sex issue that that's the first sin right that's really the the step that got them to where they're at i'm not i'm not trying to condemn anyone i'm just saying this is the pathway that this this whole situation took place so we we have to address that heart issue first i think in the whole debate and then move on from there and i I think we've you know covered that but um then from there the decision i mean they already made the choice you know okay let's deal with that choice now and so now we have a child in the picture so like you said we need different programs to at least help and i'm sorry but i mean the WIC program and things like that it doesn't really do much i mean you can get all the government cheese you want but (laughs) that food is not healthy that they allow you to buy on the WIC program and so there's so many other I, I would think there's better ways and I think I think the church really falls short in this area. I think the church has a big role that they could be playing in this whole thing, but instead they choose to just go out and say abortion is murder, which I, I agree. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But shouldn't we rather, instead of going out and shaking our fist at lawmakers and at people, shouldn't we rather put programs in place to help these people pick up the pieces? Because, I mean, as far as the stories that I have followed of women that have had abortion there's a brokenness there that sometimes they don't deal with for years and years but it's still there underlying because in a woman's heart of heart there is no way she can get away from the fact that there was a human being that was formed and attached to her physically and emotionally i mean i i would think someone would have to be very mentally flawed shall we say to not feel an attachment to a child that they have given birth to or have had in their body 
I mean, I, I might be completely wrong there, but that's my feeling. Um, and so I think the church could have a large role to play in using their resources to have programs or food banks or um, or even housing set up for a woman that has a, has chosen to carry a child to term rather than abort the child. You know, a, a housing situation where it is like a, a, a an apartment type situation which would help out that mother financially. May you know, I would I would expect that there would be some sort of money that would need to be transferred, but it that wouldn't need to be a large sum of money per month, but some sort of rent to to put some some accountability, some portion of that on the mother. Now, I, I think that can also be situation-based. Um, there might be a mother that can't pay anything, and that's fine, too. Uh, but I think, as a whole, I think the church could really play a huge role in, in solving or helping to solve. You're not going to be able to stop every woman who wants to get an abortion from getting one there's just some people that they are intent on on going through with that but i think like you said i think there could be programs in place that could really help this situation i i think about um like uh like these tiny home type things i mean they could be built for relatively inexpensive um and it's a tiny home situation it's not necessarily built for a family of five you know but a mother and her child that could be a a perfect situation especially if there's no income there or whatever a church could have especially these churches that have huge huge campuses Mm -hmm. with gobs and gobs of land that they don't use they could set up four or five, ten, twenty, a whole village of these houses. Whole community garden, jobs, I mean, it could daycare be, where they could go out and work and continue to develop their skills and keep having something, you know, on their resume so that when they get as they build their life, they have something there that is applicable to employers. But I feel it's very callous and this is just my complete opinion but i feel like it's very callous for the church or just individuals to say i'm pro-life without being pro-quality of life yes choosing life is right and good however i think god wanted and wants more for us than just to be alive he desires us to have joy, to feel happiness, you know, to seek him. There's more to life than just life. And I I agree that maybe that challenge needs to be 
given to these churches, you know, that do have the land, that do have the opportunity, not just to have a little pantry or, oh, a little diaper driver. They're like, yeah, those are helpful, but those are, that's not a support system. Those are just handy. Yeah. (laughs) It may not always be available when you need it, you know. Well, that's a handout. It is. It's not a, it's not a partnership come alongside Mm -hmm. you and walk with you Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. and i know there i know there's some christian people that do take women like this in but they're individuals it's not a church-based thing they're just individuals and i i applaud that Mm -hmm. i do um because that can be that can be a tough thing too to bring a woman with her child into your home to have them live with you, you know, if you're, you know, like me, you're old fart by now, I'm 40 and you bring, I mean, I don't want another baby. You're just a middle-aged fart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want another baby. That's, it's rough, you know, but as the church, we are called to sacrifice as well. So, I mean, what would that look like? You know, if even it just... I don't know. I really like the teeny home idea. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Michigan, it might be a little bit more expensive to do because you'd have to have a furnace and things like that, and you'd have to have a well-insulated facility or you know place. But I I do think that there is a role for the church to play. You know, just like the Bible says says to take care of the widows and orphans, mm-hmm. and um, you got, I mean, you look at Jesus's ministry, to be perfectly frank, <laughs> he didn't spend his ministry, his time here on earth in the temple. Did he spend time in the temple? Yeah, absolutely. He had conversations and debates and all sorts of things with theologians and, and that. The majority of his time was literally walking alongside of people, broken people, hurting people people that were devastated and destroyed and he played a part in breathing life back into their soul giving them hope giving them joy giving them the chance of of living eternally in heaven to be loved by the creator of the earth and and to like know that in your heart of hearts that you are made for something greater. Um, yeah. I, I think the church needs to to take up the way Jesus approached his, you know, 30 some years here on earth and approach it in the same way. You know, go out and meet them where they're at. Give them the resources to survive tangible blessings otherwise like you said it's a handout and i'm here and i have to beg you for these handouts i have to grovel it's how it feels you feel ashamed like i have i'm sorry can you please spare a set of diapers for me can you i really need formula i mean come on that's sad that's pitiful To, to have someone come alongside of you and say hey here's Here's this foundation. Here's this program. And, 
you're you know you get the opportunity to work and further your own technical skills and whatever working environment you get to earn some money you earn these diapers you earn this child care you earn this food for your child in this warm home this isn't a give out because you're worth it mm-hmm. you're worth more than being just a beggar i see you as a human i see you as being worth more and i guess maybe that sums up our feelings on <laughs> abortion but yeah that we we see that you are a human we see that you are a life we see that you are worthy of more whether the person carrying you feels the same way or not well, i think that and i also think that about the person that walks into the abortion clinic yes you know you're worth more than yes than aborting your child to have to make or if you've made that decision you're still worth more that doesn't define you there is hope and forgiveness and peace mm-hmm. for you in Jesus Christ yeah and i don't think we hear that really said at all in today's anti-abortion or or right to life um, debate I don't think we hear that enough I don't think churches speak on that enough that um, yes people make terrible decisions mm-hmm. you know there's prison ministries pastors go into prisons and they 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 witness to these men or women who have committed murder or rape or whatever and they go in and witness to them in order to bring them to christ why it's because they're worth more than the sin that they committed Mm -hmm. and that's the way god thinks of a person who has gone into an abortion clinic and had an abortion he he died for that person just as much as he died for the person that has never had an abortion or never murdered or never cheated on a spouse or what what have you Jesus died for all sin for all time all you have to do is accept that free gift and forgiveness is there one of the very last things that Jesus did as a human here on earth while he was actively dying, while he was being tortured and literally his body being torn apart, bones and ligaments and blood spilling, complete anguish, the man next to him on the cross next to him and i don't recall but were they thieves or i mean we don't know we don't know he could have been a murderer he could have done a million things that were awfully horrible horrific um but one of the last things that jesus did that man said i i do believe and jesus said you will be in paradise today Mm -hmm. simple as that 
no matter how deep, dark, horrible, shameful, completely just grievous things in your own life that you've done. He doesn't even bat an eye. If you believe you'll you'll be in paradise with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to end it because um, there's nothing left to say, I guess. Um, I really do wish that the church as a whole would have this type of conversation rather than shouting across the street at, you know, pro-abortion people. But uh, I hope that a lot of people find this podcast, even though it's a lawn mowing podcast. um, (laughs) I, I think it was a good discussion to have, being that this is probably the biggest court decision that will happen in our lifetimes, uh, as far as we know so far. Um, And so I I thought it was pertinent to talk about, and I'm glad Renee came on. Uh, I'm glad you came on to talk about it and share your opinions and thoughts as a woman. Um, And I, you know, I, I really hope that you all listening will share this episode on your social medias and uh, things like that. Uh, give us a rating and review. If you have comments that you want to, you know, you want to communicate to us, um, you can instant message me uh, at, on Facebook at Aaron Sutter, and I will get that and gladly respond to you. Or you can send me an email at Lansing Lawn Service at gmail.com. Again, it doesn't matter what it's about. You can message me about anything. Um, and of course you can share your story if you want to, if you're someone that has had an abortion, you can share that as well. And that will be kept private, um, unless you expressly say that you want it shared or whatever, you know, that's fine too. But, uh, yeah, I thank you all for listening and I, I really, uh, I really appreciate it. If you're still listening, this was a long conversation, but I think it was, needed and i think it i think it was really good so uh yeah that's it thanks for listening i will catch you in the next episode